Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Drop something down there. Let's check me too. That thing. That's just the mic case. All right. I believe we should begin. Okay. With punk rock karaoke because that's why we're on the ship. Yes. Well, that's why you're on the ship. Right. Where does that idea begin? Uh, how do the players assemble? And what was the, I guess, initial concept and drive and inspiration behind it? And you know, when, where, how? Who, well, a what? friend of mine named Fred Eric. He had this restaurant in L.A., and he was wanting to do a party for the anniversary of his restaurant, and he says, hey, I want to do punk rock karaoke. And I'm like, there's there's no machines that do that. He goes, no, I mean like a live band. Can you put something together? I go, that's genius. Because so at start, that point, it hadn't been done, right? It had not been done. <clears throat> On a, like a legitimate level. Yeah, it was least. 1996. So we've been doing this for a little bit. So that I called Eric Melvin up from NoFX, and then... I was kind of hoping he'd be on this cruise, to be honest. Like, yeah. He's my guy. I love that man. He's a good he's guy. He's a special dude, isn't he? He is. Not in a short bus special. <laughs> As that's not PC, but whatever. Maybe that doesn't translate in the UK. <laughs> no, it does. We're good. Okay, good. Excellent. Good. So I called him up, and then uh, he said, oh, I got some, some other friends that play, you know, in bands and... So he called up uh, Derek O'Brien, who used to be in Social Distortion, and Jennifer Finch from L7. And one of, a couple of the investors of his restaurant were, uh, uh, he had some, inve- oh, who was investor? Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh. Yeah, from so, Devo. From Devo. Dude, what a group. And so we ended up getting uh, Bob number two, Bob Mothersbaugh, yeah. playing. So we kind of had like a rotating cast at first, and we would switch off certain songs. So that was pretty fun. So we did this party at his restaurant, and it was. And just, who would be singing originally? <clears throat> just people. Just it, it was always yeah. like punters. And that was always the format. Yeah, that was always a format. Yeah, and then we just kind of had so much fun that we decided to like turn it into a a traveling a circus. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And when did Darren get involved? And Steve as well. And obviously, R.I.P. Steve. We're on the cruise right now. They've named the main stage after him. Yes, to Steve Toto Sage. Yeah, we lost him last year. That's a bummer. But he, uh, let's see, went, uh, Darren's been in the band about five years. So originally it was, 
I got I don't know. We've gone through a couple bass players over the years. Mike Watt played with us for a while. I read that. And then we got Darren Pfeiffer in five years ago, and Stan Lee from the Dickies joined about ten years ago because Eric was too busy touring and actually moved out of L.A. to San Francisco. So we needed someone to fill in. Because you're a neighborhood band, so you need people who are available. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Available for parties, bar mitzvahs, weddings, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, That's yeah. me first, and the Gimme Gimme's album title right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> so, yeah, we've had some people in and out, and guests, singers, that people from bands will come up and sing. But it's mostly primarily about, you know, the fans coming up and singing. You must have had some car crashes. Tell me about some of your favorites. Well, basically, if it's... <laughs> Basically, if and I'm it's, hoping to enter that list tonight later on. Okay, if it's good, uh, great. If it yep. sucks, even better. Right. Okay. So it is pretty much like leave the judgment at the door. If you are awful, no, it's great because I mean it's it's hard enough to go up and do karaoke, but coming up with a live band. Yeah, and no lyrics. Obviously, no, it's not I mean like we have lyrics. We have lyric oh, sheets. We're working on getting some kind of teleprompter next year. I reckon you need to take it to Vegas and be like a fucking institution there. Well, that would be great. I don't right? know. Yeah. Maybe especially someday. around punk rock bowling, like weekend. We, we do it every year at punk oh, rock bowling. you do it every yeah. year? Yeah, we're the last club show every year. You were there frontline in the most, for me, exciting cultural musical moments in history as a punk rock fan. And not just punk, but everything that offshooted in all the other directions from Guns N' Roses to Jane's Addiction, all those LA bands that conquered the world came from that town, that place at that time. Right. And you were there frontline. Uh, I know this is a very open-ended, wide question, but put me in that picture, that time of LA punk in the 80s. Right. As a kid, like, what was that? What was going on? How was it? It was an adventure because, like, you didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, There's only a couple of, you know, mainstream clubs that would have punk. So most of them were, like, hall, sh- hall shows, but they didn't usually have permits. And even if it was permitted, if the cops wanted to come in and bu- bust it, they would come in with their, you know, their billy clubs or truncheons, as you would call them, right? Yeah, and you'd get... A beating, right? And you'd get a beating. I remember I went to this gig. I was before I was in a band or anything. Me and my friend, we still kind of had long hair. We hadn't cut our hair yet. We had this punk show, and we were standing in the staircase leading up to the hall. And all of a sudden, the riot squad comes in out of nowhere. It was a total mellow gig, and then they just started beating the kids up that and looked punk. Kids as well. And like- they kind of looked at us, and we didn't look punk, and they didn't hit us. And I'm like, I always thought the cops were our friends. I never. Never bite into oh cops fuck the police and all this shit. Well, they're, at but the when, end of the day, they're regular working class right, guys, but right? When there. I saw that, I'm like, what the hell? I, that opened my eyes to like, okay, this is just really bad. The LAPD at the time was run by this uh, police chief Daryl Gates, and yep. he was notorious. He was really bad. Well, it peaked in Rodney King, didn't it? Yes, and, and you saw that. It was escalation very racist. Of- it was very you know homophobic. It was just it was bad. They were against anything. You know, that was different. It was not mainstream. They overreacted, and, you know, they would go in with tanks and, and bulldoze people's house down that they thought were drug dealers, and a lot of times they weren't. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, it reminds me as, like, a, you know, a kid who missed out on both eras but has read up and, and studied and watched a lot of stuff about it, is it reminds me of the same reaction to rock and roll in the 50s, of, yeah. like, this is a threat to society. And then, and then the and- hippies. They yeah, just, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. eradicated the hippies. The next thing, you get the punks. They're not singing about peace and love. They're thinking, singing about everything's fucked up. Let's, you know, destroy the establishment and start new and this and that. I guess you're a generation after. Were you affected at all by hippieism, or was punk very much your youth movement? It was punk, but I mean, I I lived through. I mean, I was born in '61, so. That's 1961, not 1861. Yeah, and Greg, I mean, come on. Okay, so... Uh, but, you know, you're, I, obvi- you're obviously like at elementary school as hippieism is a thing, whereas you're a teenager definitely, when punk's Yeah, exploded. so I was aware of that, you know, my dad was politically aware and, you know... Were your parents to, left? Yeah, yeah, my dad would take me to, like, rallies of politicians and stuff and was always watching the news and, you know, reading. So you were very much raised with a... Let's question the... Yes, the question the thing. And uh, he was really into folk music in the 50s, so that was kind of like the protest m- music from then, which I hated folk music. I still don't like it. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I love Dylan, 
but when I listen to Joan Baez, although the message is kind of the same, I can't take the saccharine, soft, smaltzy. Yeah, the, all come by he was into Lord, a lot of the so. schmaltz crap. But, uh, <laughs> Who but, was the band then when you first heard like a group or a, a singer or a song or a message that went, bang, light bulb moment, I'm off on this course well, now? Well, the Ramones. Like, was when it? I first heard the Ramones. Buzzsaw yeah. guitars. Fucking yeah, it's like I never heard anything like that. It was about the time I was learning guitar. and It was like, I can play like, that's kind of easier to play. And then I heard the the Dickies on the on this on you know the one hour or a couple hours a week that we got the punk rock on the mainstream radio station, and uh, I heard the Dickies. They played some songs off their, their first single, so I went to go see them, and that was the first punk rock show I went to. And I was like, okay, this this is what I got to do. So first band for you was Red Cross, right? Was that the first group? Proper? That was the first band I was in. Yes. And how does that group assemble, and who's in it? And I was a senior in high school, and I was taking Photoshop. And you know, back then there weren't a lot of kids in my high school into punk rock. Maybe a couple. And where were you uh, schooled? LA. In, in Hawthorne, California. Right, yes, right. home of the Beach Boys, which I don't really like. I don't get that band oh, anyway. But if you take the Beach Boys and give them loads of speed, then that's the Ramones, right? Pretty much. Oh, yeah, for sure. That and, you know, doo-wop and, yep, and cheese, cheesy bubblegum rock. So I was in in class one day, and, and there was a kid, a younger kid, who had a had a folder, and he had a, a punk flyer for, for this band, The Bags. And I'm like, oh, you went to punk rock? And he kind of looked at me like, are you going to give me shit? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so, so am I. And he goes, oh, really? And we started talking. And he goes, yeah, I know. I play guitar. My brother plays bass. We're looking to put a band together. And I go, I play guitar. And that's how Red Cross formed. And when does Circle Jerks kick off in your life? I was only, how? really only in Red Cross for less than a year. Like, right. Because they carried on for many years after yeah, you left, right? Yeah. I, I left. And then I guess around December or so of 1979. What's uh, happening musically in 79 in L.A. as well? Uh, it is because over here it was you know clash the slits like punk had kind of almost happened and gone, and then it was evolving and becoming right. what's now called post punk, and you'd have like Wire and Gang of Four, and right. it was getting a bit more musically diverse. Mm -hmm. and, um, what was going on stateside? Similar, I would Similar. say. You know, those bands were influences to us, and 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 vice versa. I guess so back and forth between the. Well, that's the great history yeah, of yeah. Uh, rock and roll, right? Is the transatlantic exchange right. of the blues, the stones, mm -hmm. yeah, the 60s psychedelic stuff, the glam, the punk. Like. Mm -hmm. So, where was we? Where were we? Oh, yeah. So, 79. Uh, 79 is... Are you good? Yeah, I'm just tired. Oh, yeah. This is draining. Is it? Do you want to do it again another day? No, I'm good. You sure? No, I'm totally good. Yeah. This isn't draining talking to you. This whole cruising, it's okay. a lot of fun. Right, right, right. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, we uh, seventy nine. Uh, it was just about it. Really, the punk scene really exploded around nine, towards the middle or end of nineteen seventy nine when it went went from like, you know, a, a smaller artistic y older crowd, everybody knew each other, to the suburban kids started picking up on it and it just exploded. Right, so in, in a good way, like, or like a kind of a, it got saturated and good and bad because a lot of good bands came out of that. You know, the Orange County bands started forming, like Adolescent, Social Distortion, stuff like that. And then, uh, but it also brought uh, an element that besides nobody, it, it was less, it was less clicky, which was cool. Yeah, but it also brought an element of some jock mentality. Yeah, and kind of gang. Violence. That was a right. little bit, little bit later on. Right. But so around 1980, you know, when uh, it really exploded in LA, when when bands would go from playing a couple hundred seaters to like a thousand people showing up, you know. Right. And, and then, would the clubs let all those people in, or were there like people queuing outside waiting to get in and both. spilling out onto the yeah, street? Yeah, they had to move to bigger venues and bigger, you know. And it, it took it took a while to get some, you know, proper real promoters to to start doing the shows because I think people were afraid of it. Yeah, I guess the agents were also figuring out like what the fuck is this new thing? The like, agents, there were no agents, there was no managers. There was, there was none there of that was, then. There was no major record labels putting anything out. It was very DIY. 
unlike the English, you know, punk movement, or every, it was, you know, everybody was signed to a major label. We did not have that. Yeah, well, that luxury here. That's why I love the Buzzcocks. As you know, everybody always says the Clash, the Pistols, but Buzzcocks were actually the first band in the UK to self-release music. Like they kind of invented DIY culture in, in our country. Right. Um, and it was that idea of you know do it yourself, like literally DIY. Yeah, for sure. Who were the fucking bands that stood out for you as a fan of that music there at that time? That when you went to see them. They were just special. Like magic was there. It was uh, Black Flag, X, Adolescence, uh, Germs. So all of them. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, that's of That's what stuff. I'm saying. Now, yeah, you were so blessed. It was, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was right place, right time, and uh, there was a lot of good stuff coming out of there. A lot of good stuff, right? And what was cool also that finally is getting some recognition is the contribution of women in punk rock. I mean, not just um, feminism and equality, but veganism, vegetarianism, like all of these concepts, going back to what we were talking about right at the start, actually, right. about, you know, political correctness. Forget that. Mm -hmm. Let's just talk equal opportunity and trying to be better as humans. Yeah. For me, all of those ideologies begin, really, in punk rock. Like, let's do away with inequality. Let's do away with racism, homophobia, sexism. Right. I don't know. That's if it was punk rock, right? Yeah, I guess I guess the hippies were kind of that way too. But it seems like it was more in your face with punk rock. You know, nobody cared if anybody was gay or black or this or that. Everybody was accepted. That's what was cool. I, I mean, I I didn't fit in into any certain crowd, and then I met some punk rockers, and I was it was totally welcoming, even though I still had long hair or whatever. You know, it was very cool. And it's a celebration of individuality. Right? Exactly. There was. There was no uniform. Every band didn't want to sound exactly like each other, which ended up happening in the, in the punk revival of the 90s, I think. Yeah. Well, Some it, of the bands, just you started hearing a formula. I was like, oh, God, it sounded like the other band. Here's what I want to ask you, right? And we'll come back to Circle Jokes, hopefully, in a bit. But in the mid-80s, you have thrash and you have gangster rap, right? And those two things, if I'm right in assuming this, posed a threat or even eradicated punk rock in the same way that grunge did to to hair metal right because punk right. used to be about attitude aggression aggressive ideas and then you know gangster rap is more punk than punk could have ever been and thrash is more heavy and fast and hard than punk could have ever been what was the impact of those two musical movements on the la punk scene at that time what happened what what killed the la punk scene was the the punk gang mentality right and there was fights and you know people were getting hurt and really fucked up and there was riots caused by the fans not by the police you know so the promoters were just stopped booking it and it was an insurance liability it. yeah so uh, I think that's why the rise of thrash metal and all that stuff that's my opinion from, from, from my perspective being there at the time but you don't think that the the message and the music superseded what punk was saying and doing i don't you think don't. i think it was just a it was a continuation there's just like an evolution let me ask you this we're going to jump all over the place okay bad religion political band right political band uh social political commentary i wouldn't say political what was the politics within that band as a band that stands for something was it a fun band to be in did you enjoy like the process were you all happy and friends and was it elated was it's it jovial? definitely the most dysfunctional band i've ever been in yeah really <laughs> to be honest straight up but it works somehow yeah Do, does the tension feed into the creativity does the tension just kind of it was just tension yeah i don't From know day one. i mean no not not always no but uh uh overall it was a great experience that's a very short answer yeah right? i mean we can get into all the other stuff. I don't care. Ask away. My life's an open book. I'd love to. What I want to ask is, like, you know, you're changing music. You're making these records that are now revered and respected and regarded right. in such high esteem. Suffer no control against the grain generator. Like, bang, bang, bang. This run of just incredible records that shape, change, influence right. everything. But the weird... Okay, the, the thing that's the difference between that band and Circle Jerks. Circle Jerks, we were just... We were full in. Cut and we loose. wanted to be a band. We didn't care about... Anything else, we were going to go out and tour and kill ourselves. At first, Bad Religion was just everybody's hobby because everybody was doing other shit. I was in the Circle Jerks. Brett had the label in her studio. Greg was in, you know, university, blah, blah, blah. So we couldn't we do limited touring. It, kind of, it was kind of, it just kind of happened that, you know, 
10 years on, it became really huge and popular. Yep. And that's literally but, but, what happened. You know, my it? other band, the Circle Jerks, we actually try, we're consciously trying to build and have fun creating, yeah. right? But I mean, it was it was not not fun in Bad Religion at first. It was fun. It was a fun little side gig. That ended up being my main gig. So I I can't complain because I went from a band that was 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 disintegrating, Circle Jerks, into a band that was up and coming. So what I got was lucky. the uh, disintegration of the Circle Jerks? What was the the start of the end of that? just you'd kind of run your course you'd said what needed to be said done what needed to be done i guess i really i'm trying to remember exactly what uh, at one point keith said he didn't want to do it anymore so we just keith our singer yeah yeah he just he said I'll, I'll do one more tour and that's it of course that's never the case i'd always you know they had Dummy had the couple of comebacks what's that movie <laughs> every time i try and get out they keep bringing me back that's in. right <laughs> yeah it's like the mafia. Once you're in, you're. Uh... I mean, Keith's fucking for me a force. He's still a force. Right. Um, that first record. What's your memories of making that? As <clears throat> um, kids, fucking just in there. Uh, the Circle Jerks. Yeah, Group Sex. The group Sex album. Uh, well, what happened is, we didn't have a lot of money, so our drummer had a friend who was a pot dealer, who who traded weed for studio time. Amazing. And we, we went in after hours. Back then, the recording studios were working 24 hours. It was really expensive. So that, you know, the, the assistant engineers that he would, goes would overnight, come in gets in yeah, the band overnight after the and, session, and yeah. was able to bring people in. So we kind of did it on the slide. We were actually going in after, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, I want to get the right name because there's two actors, they're brothers. It was Bo Bridges, mm-hmm. the actor. He was doing like a country album. And when he left, we'd get a call, okay, he's gone. And we would rush over there like <laughs> midnight, 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go in and record the record. And on, ha- pretty much on on his time because we weren't, we weren't on the books. And how many like days or nights did it take? I don't know. I mean, it, it probably took 10 days or something, you know, a couple hours at a time because, you know, we couldn't really, we tried to go as long as we could every night, but people would get tired and or too drunk to, to do what they were supposed to do. Was Circle Jerks a band that was fueled by booze or drugs? Pretty much. Yeah? At, at first, yeah. Was that part of the uh, rapidity of the sound as well, do you think? It was just I like, don't know. It, just, it was just, you know, my, my problems with, with drugs and alcohol, I think, evolved a little later, but Keith was pretty much a mess on our bass, original bass player, Roger. He rest in peace. He OD'd eventually, which is a bummer. But, uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot of that going around. And across the scene in general, right? It was just very... <clears throat> there was, it was there. It was not everybody, but, you know, it was prevalent, I think, in any music scene. What was Darby like? He was a mess. He was... But he had this, like, one... He had a persona when he was out there with you know, at a gig with the fans or whatever, and he would just try to manipulate people into doing crazy shit, and then uh, asking and taking, or taking their drugs, and then when he was off, he was around people that he knew, he was like, totally cool, and he would buy people dinner, you know, so it was kind of... Jekyll and Hyde shit. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, he was, you know, very talented, but that band, when, when they were on, they were great, but when he was too fucked up, it was a train wreck <laughs> I've heard the same about the replacements right do you ever get to Absolutely. see them live a lot oh, just yeah. it could have been the best or the worst thing you've ever seen depending Ex- on the night exactly I mean one night they'd be spot on do their, their set and then next thing you're doing they're gonna do a whole set of Hank Williams Jr. covers <laughs> and just say fuck you to the crowd you know <laughs> that's it there's a couple of like women in that scene at that time that were really into like Danita Joan Jett like they were there right they were involved they were doing it like right. I, di- I didn't even know till recently that Joan Jett produced that first Germs album well the, the only right. Germs album and then there was bands like The Bags and the Alley Cats and Go-Go's I mean, the Go-Go's definitely started in the punk scene they were playing all the shitty little clubs they just got lucky and you know they kind of hit they ended up on a decent label with good management and they were good and they had good songs when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How was uh, the 90s kind of punk explosion for you guys as the people who laid the seeds and put in the, you know, the years, the time... And, you know, Dookie, Smash, all these records explode. And all of a sudden, oh, I guess Nirvana were the band that opened right. that, that gate. But then all of a sudden, it's like alternative rock punk. The is band that single-handedly killed hair metal. Killed hair metal, but made punk a commodity, yeah. right? And, you yeah. know. And I, Meta- I would probably throw Metallica in there, too, because yeah. they, they were always talking about the punk roots and playing punk covers. Misfits. and Yeah. yeah. We got to ride the coattails. Like, Bad Religion got signed to a major deal record. All these people are getting signed. And we got lucky and, you know, we were able to ride the coattails. We weren't quite as successful as, you know, Green Day, Offspring, and some of that stuff. But it was kind of cool. Did you enjoy that process? Yeah, like you because, personally? Yeah, because at that point we were established and we were, we were still selling, you know, decent. And we were pretty popular on, a, on an indie label, on any level. So we were able to dictate the terms of, the, of our major label deal, like complete artistic control. And, and a really good royalty rate where some of these other baby bands that were getting smaller punk bands that were just coming up probably weren't able to do and got stuck in that machine. Who's the most humble, real, down-to-earth, <clears throat> successful person you've encountered? Me, of course. You? Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, Household name, okay, motherfuckers. I'm talking about okay, that without any disrespect. I, I mean, of, of the biggest... <laughs> you've probably heard this a million times. Probably Dave Grohl. He's the like, guy, right? Like he's it's like the nicest, coolest guy. I, people will come up to him on the street, and he's very friendly. Take a selfie, blah blah blah. And he goes out of his way to to show that, like that, that documentary series he made. You know? Incredible Sound it's, City, yeah. Oh no, the um, no, the Sonic the, Highways, yeah, yeah. that Amazing. Sound City. I mean, he he appreciates it, and you know, so he's a good guy. When did you tap out of the uh, the partying? When did it get too much for you? Uh, Six years ago, six years and change. Was there uh, one defining moment, or was it a build-up of? It was a build-up, and then eventually the guys in Bad Religion said, "Dude, you got to get sober." And I said, "Yeah, okay, you're right." And they said, "Take some time off." Now we'll get to my my. We'll get to what happened with Bad Religion. Now it's a nice segue. That's how I roll, right? <laughs> so, uh, I'm just trying to keep it. Fun. Yeah, Are you cool? Are you good? I'm cool. Yeah. I like to try and make it more of a chat than an interview. Yeah, so, it's all good. And you can ask me anything you want as well. I'm not interesting. But What's fucking... your favorite color? Really? That's the best question you got, Greg. I'm just kidding. What uh, is turquoise, air, what turquoise, is, turquoise. What is the airspeed velocity of unladen swallow? I wouldn't begin to know. That was the Monty Python <laughs> reference. You didn't get it. I thought I'd throw some English humor in this. What would biggest dickers have to say about this, Greg? I don't know. You know. <laughs> It's the, the quick answer is African or European. <laughs> there we go. Uh, there we go. Anyway, uh, so so, what, so what, they, what was the poison? Was it booze? Was it coke? It was, was pills. It, it was, was pills. Uh, benzos and uh, opioids, you know, Vicodin and stuff like that. How does that start? Is it an injury I, to begin with? And then? I, you know, anxiety. Uh, I think I was just pre predispositioned. I guess I have the ism, the disease that was right. lurking inside, and you know, not. And the uh, the self-centered selfishness that you don't realize you have and manifests, and then next thing you know, it, 
there's alcohol and drugs involved and you're a mess. Do you think if you were doing a different career, you could have dodged that? No. No. So it it was coming one way or another. No, because, you know, when you go back, you know, when you go through the process of going through the therapy and the rehab and all that crap, it all like, oh, yeah, it all makes sense now. Yeah. There's a series of events that led you there. Yeah. It's just I've always had this crazy, just thinking that whatever the, you know, the uh, feeling of not being good enough or this or that and the mixed messages from parents and this, all that kind of crap. I it's not their fault, obviously, that I, but it, it was just part of my journey and why I am who I am. So anyway, the band comes to me and said, dude, get sober, we got your back. And then I'll, I'll make the long story short. No, don't make the long was, story short. I was getting, make the long story long. I was like, okay, they, well, they said, dude, yeah, we got your back, bro. You know, we're going to carry on. We'll take care of you. We'll pay for this and that. And then... And they did. And they did not. They did not. And then eventually, I didn't want... I know, I was just trying to get my head straight. Yeah, yeah. I you were trying in, to figure out your own shit. a marriage that was falling apart at the time, you know. And uh, uh, so, uh, uh, maybe five months go by, and I finally called up Greg and go, you know, you guys haven't been taking care of me like you said you would. And he's like, really? And like I knew he was... Genuinely, like, I thought everything was cool. I go, no, I'm getting the runaround from the business manager, but I didn't want to bug you guys. He goes, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be seeing them tomorrow. I'll see what's up. So he calls me up the next day. He goes, well, I got some good news and bad news. We're going to take care of you. But two of the guys said that they never want to play with you again, so you've been kicked out of the band. And I'm like, you know, a few months sober, and I just filed for divorce, and it was just, it was just crazy. A crushing time. Yeah, and then they still didn't pay me, so I... Then I had there was had to sue them, take a mediation. It was a nightmare. So here's what's my kind of problem with stuff like that, right? Is first of all, I guess Brett was a total mess earlier. Well, Brett, see, Brett's and so they had experience Brett, with Brett's, that, right? Yeah, and Jay sober, and Brian got sober. Yeah. So so it's all like Brett familiar not, territory. Okay, Brett was not. He, he writes songs. He plays on the records. He plays select dates. He produces, but he's not really a band member anymore. Right, and is he not involved in those decisions? No, he's not involved in those decisions. And so, there's two other guys. There's two other guys. They didn't have your back. They didn't have my back, yes. Do you get to ever make peace with those guys? Is that something you'd like to do? I've run into them occasionally, and I'm cordial, they're cordial. What can you do? They don't call it show friends, they call it show business, right? That was pretty crash, but I was not surprised. Why weren't you surprised? Because I've been in the, in the band for 29 know, years. <laughs> you know the deal. I know the deal. And you don't think there's ever any way that they would do right by you and fucking that's make up, that right? That's up to them. That's but, up to them. You know, I don't know. They're they're doing a book. There's a book that the band's compiling, like you know, the history with the writer, the whole thing, and they asked me to participate, and I said, you know, can I get a cut of the book? I was in the band for 29 years. And they said no, so I'm not, didn't, I won't participate in the book. So you're not going to have your say? No. Really? No. Whatever. That's a shame, man. Like, uh, you not, know? I mean, it's obviously a shame for you that you're not going to get cut of the book. That's fucked. I didn't even ask, but I, I didn't even specify a number. It's like, there's no money in books anyway. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's exactly. a couple thousand copies. But what, but what you're <laughs> saying like, is it's the principle, isn't it's it? The it's the principle, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, after all that, come on, guys. So... I'm not on bad terms, but, you know, business is business at this point. Do you then, after that, go, the business is fucked, and I don't want any part of it in a business sense? No, because I, I, I can understand why they, they got sick of my shenanigans, because I did bring some chaos into the band. Do you think you were the most chaotic member in the history of that group? No. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. That, that's hard for me to say. It was pretty bad at times. Yeah? On and off. Not, not always. No. Every, everybody's capable of redemption, though, right? That's the human that is true. quality that keeps us alive. I guess it's it's all relative. I mean, like, what is one person's chaos might be another person's chaos. Yeah, it's like, but it's that know. willingness and that wanting to change and right. become better and stop and right. The fact that they didn't give me that chance to redeem myself was kind of lame, but whatever. I only have a slight resentment still. I'm almost over it. <laughs> I don't think you ever can get over that. I couldn't. Ah, it's hard. Yeah. Um, no, we're not sad. We're getting real. So yeah. do you do you ever like, uh, 
get to look back on the things that you achieved and did with a sense of pride and accomplishment or is it all Abs- kind of no absolutely it's still I, I, good it's all good i mean you know uh, if it weren't for being in that band i would you know you wouldn't be sat in uh, my room I wouldn't on this be, ship i wouldn't be sober <laughs> a uh, really so yeah, that's so that's so the greatest you know, positive right that's a good positive and i was not happy in the band for a long time i don't know if they were happy with me either so it it might be for the best who knows only the gods know do you believe in God? Are you a spiritual guy? I would say spiritual, but... Um, where, where do you stand on the meaning of this fucking mad world that we're in? I have no idea. Is there idea. a higher power? Is there a, I, I, a life after this? I don't know about any of that, but I mean... I call my higher power Lord Stanley because I'm a hockey fan, and <laughs> Lord Stanley donated the Stanley Cup given to the winners of the championship of the National Hockey League each year. So, uh, you know, certain things... I just don't question when shit happens. It's like, you know, when you're like freaking out because I'm down to your last 20 cents and then that, that day, you know, money comes in or, or I'm really depressed and then something happens that I'm at, I just think it's the worst day and then something's, something might be out there looking after me or it could be all coincidence. I don't know, but I don't question it. Do you, when you're having an awful day or how do you get out of that? Drugs. <laughs> you know, you're sober, dude. Oh, well, <laughs> shit. That's over. That. That's oh, done. Oh, man. No, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> how, how do you get out of that space when you are sober? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, for me, actually, an interesting question, if you don't mind me asking. Well, it. that's... Just, when you're having the worst day ever and you can't then you go call do a, a shot fel- You call a fellow crazy person in, 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 you know, in your, your quote-unquote fellowship, I hate that word, mm-hmm. of, of the program, and then, you know, they can talk you down. It's a great support group. I mean, people that don't understand or knock AA and think it's a religious cult or this or that. I mean, it, it's not. I thought it was too until I got involved. It's like, oh, fuck that shit. I'm not going to hold hands and say, you know, Come the serenity prayer and mm-hmm. all this crap and higher power and you got to find God. But it's like God with a capital, with a lower G, mm-hmm. lowercase yeah, yeah, G, yeah. not the big G. Or good orderly direction is one of the the, the, the corny things for the agnostics. Well, it's inside all of us, I believe. Like, the reason I do this, like, sit down and talk with people is because I look for uh, connection and and, yeah. gu- and guidance and inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's nothing that a good conversation and a meaningful encounter can't solve, hopefully. Right. right? And I couldn't have any of that until I was sober, so I don't know. But I do remember it was a weird thing. The last thing I'd play with Bad Religion before I got, you know, the intervention, I guess you would call it. <laughs> It, we were getting ready to do an encore, and I was peeing. I was peeing between the time. I was pretty fucked up. I just knew I was done, but I didn't know what to do about it. And the next day, they said, dude, you got to get sober. So, is that God? Who knows? But it's just weird. But it's manifest destiny yeah. in action. Yeah, because I never had that. I never said anything like that out loud, especially involuntary. It's like, I don't know. What's the who fucking, knows who cares what's the craziest shit you ever did when you were wasted I don't know I never wasn't really that crazy I mean I don't know I can't think about top of my head I wasn't like well I would I would if I didn't eat and I drank too much or something usually even before I got you know really bad into the pills that I would go as the band would call crackers I would go I would I, my blood sugar would get really badly low, really low. And one time, uh, there was no food available, and I, I think I smashed something in the hotel room. But uh, they were cool at the hotel when I went down and told them the next day I had broke something. <laughs> and the, and I thought it was like a really expensive antique desk or something, because like in, it was in Europe, and it wasn't that much. And so I just... That's the common Paid. misconception in Europe. They're like, just because it's old mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's valuable. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's about the worst uh, that I can think of. Maybe you could ask the bad religion guy. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a different answer, maybe. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, here's another thing I want to ask you is like, when you're, you're clean and you're straight, is it still a struggle every day to stay that way? Uh, no, not really. The obsession like goes... When, when does it stop, the... 
ah, I'm, you know, it's like I'm a smoker, right? Yeah. And I'm unable to quit. Mm-hmm. And I can get to a, like a couple of weeks in, but there's like a thing that makes me trigger and smoke. You know, there's a program for that too. Yeah, I'm, yeah, well, I'm in. Sign me up, dude. All right. um, but but is there a, a, like a threshold that you pass and then you kind of go? I'm, I'm free of it. Even before or? the band said you got to get sober, I, I I knew I was a mess and I needed to quit. I was just afraid and didn't know how. So I was just done. Every once Had in a while, time. it's like fuck. I really wish I could take you know. Do you still get those feelings occasionally? Where occasionally, you're like, I'd yeah. Love a fucking beer but right now, or I I'll drink the non-alcoholic beer. It's a good placebo effect. But I. But, but what they got to do is bring out like a non-cocaine coke. Yeah, there that would you be go. the dream, right? I never liked coke. No, nah. So you're like a downer guy. I was like a total a downer, total downer, sedative guy. Yeah. Here's what I want to ask you: You're a Ricky Gervais fan, you know Ricky Gervais, English comedian. Yes, yes. So he is very anti-religion and very pro-pets, mm-hmm. and I think he's probably the first person that made me think about it in this way. But there's been a few other people that I've kind of either read or heard interviews with, or seen scenes with, or bits. But they talk about pets as being the closest as a human can get to spirituality. That right. idea is like a you know a dog or a cat is is pure. They're right. non-corrupted by greed and ego and these things. And I know you're a dog guy. I'm a dog guy. Because Mo yeah. sent me some pictures. Is it a basset hound? He's a basset got? hound. The yeah. coolest fucking. What's the fucking cartoon where there's the dad and the kid? Droopy. Yes, droopy. Yeah. So that's your dog. That's my dog. Yeah. Is that your connection to something bigger and more wonderful than the? Uh, the bullshit yeah. that humans come with. Instead of God as my co-pilot, dog as my co-pilot. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, know. God you spelled know. backwards is dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true too. No, that helps. You know, you love being a dog owner. Yeah, I love so being a is dog it a big owner. Part of your life. It's a part of a big part of my life, and I help at the Bassett Rescue Place that I got my dog from. And but these are kind of all the things that I thought. You know, being like, yeah, I'm totally. You know, I want to help the people. I want to save the kids, and I would talk a good game, but I was so. So I guess selfish and too fucked up to to do it. Now, being sober, I'm actually able to do the things that I I talked a good game, but I didn't follow through. So it was a mess. I've so heard the I sobriety can. gives you that. It's time. Yeah. Like that's all you get, right? Because you're not wasting half the day being hungover and fucking bed hating yourself. Or in, yeah, and in your mind being fuck. Why are these people doing this to me? When you're like, well, did you see your part you in did this? It to yourself. Well, yeah, you did. I mean that that's the best line. I you know I have a, I have a daughter and. And some, you have a conflict with somebody, your mom or boyfriend. It's like, what's your part in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What role did <laughs> you like, play? Oh, which nobody taught me that as a kid. I, I just got away with everything. What's the word? It's not responsibility, but it's. Uh, you must know. I don't know. Anyway, here's one more thing I want to ask you, right? Sir, yes, sir. Eddie Vedder. I know you talked with Pearl Jam back in the day. Yeah. And this might seem like a weird question. He's a total nice, down-to-earth guy, too. He's one well, of those here's what blows my mind about that guy. Is yeah. Everybody from his scene is gone. You know, right. S- Scott Weiland, Cornell, mm-hmm. Kurt, the Blind Melon guy, uh, Lane Staley. Like, all of them gone, right? He's the last man standing from within that group. And yet you still watch Pearl Jam live and he'll still drink like a couple of bottles of red wine on stage. Right. And he's a drinker, right? He's a party guy. Mm-hmm. From your encounters with him and just as like overall speculation, like how do you stay sane and whole? And and he's a magical dude. Like he supported the Who at Wembley Stadium solo. Him and an acoustic guitar. 18,000 like open air space. Right. And he sings like a fucking angel. But yet he still is like, you know, loose. Right. How does he do it? I, I don't know. I couldn't do it. Some people just can. He's got a handle on it, whatever it is, right? You know, only you can make that decision if if you're handling it or not, because nobody can tell you. Uh, you must have it together, I guess. Some people can, can keep it under control and, and drink, and some people can't. What about Penelope? Penelope Spheris? Yeah, to go from the decline to fucking Wayne's World. Like the coolest career arc ever. What was she like? And that film, oh, that experience. Like, oh, totally cool. I just did this Q and A with her a couple months ago about the decline, mm-hmm. and we were talking, you know, and she's, you know, she ended up doing some big budget shit and yeah, yeah. like quote unquote sellout shit after the de- after uh, That's that punk after thing Wayne, there, Wayne's World, and now then she's like. Now she gets all these offers. She says no. If she just wants to do the shit she does, she goes, "Okay, I got bit, I got sucked into the shit, and it just wasn't me." And now I'm rebelling against it, which is totally cool, which is totally punk. 
she obviously didn't know that that was going to have such everlasting evergreen relevance no nobody just did filming these fucking dudes in a no, squad it's just like <laughs> she saw what was going on she was a young filmmaker and she wanted to capture it did you ever encounter perry or axel or any of those guys because that's again where we start the conversation i don't really punk never, scene they came out of that as well yeah. they must have been around the same yeah. spot guns and roses people yeah i knew those guys but I, I didn't really know the jane's addiction people no no were you ever a heroin guy no, never tried they were heroin. all about that. All yeah, right? I never tried heroin. I was afraid of heroin. I'm fucking afraid of it. How could you not be afraid of that? Yeah. It's, I think it takes a specific mindset to want to go there. Right. Are you enjoying the cruise? I'm on a adventure and experience of a lifetime. And you're dressed for it. And, I mean, yeah. I have to. I, He's I got his Jimmy occasion. Buffett gear on. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I... Uh, now we're in Key West. I did a cruise, um, not a cruise, sorry, a tour with Flogging Molly last year. Okay. And at the end of that tour, I was like, because I believe in my life. Did you drink a lot of Jameson and Guinness? As much as I would usually okay. do. I mean, yeah, that, that's obviously their two tipples of choice, but I'd be on it anyway. But at the end, <laughs> at the end of the tour, if you don't ask, you don't get right. And I'm yeah. and I'm cheeky enough. Like with this moment, I was like, Mo, uh, can you hook me up with Greg? Right, and if you don't ask, you don't get. And so at the end of that tour, I was like, "So this cruise thing, mm -hmm. how about it?" And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, we'll bring you out." And for me, dude, great guys. I used to live in Birmingham with a girl, Helena, who lives here now, and I've just Are spent you the afternoon a with her. Birmingham City up. or Aston Villa fan? Unfortunately, dude, Manchester United. Man Not that I'm okay. even behind it, but my dad's from Salford. He used to take me to Old Trafford a lot as a oh, kid. So yeah. I grew up watching them live there. Okay, yeah. I, won't then, I won't judge you for that. I mean, oh, you can't. I, 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 I have friends, you know, that voted for Trump, and I'm still friends with them. So I can be friends with you. I'm an Aston Villa fan. We had a group, oh, you are? We had a really? crew, we had a crew oh, from Birmingham for right, a long right, time. Right. And, you know, you need a team to support. We like Aston Villa. That's your team. Like, okay. I love it. Well, yeah. Ozzy Osbourne's fucking hometown as well. True. That's my and favorite Tom thing. Tom Hanks is a big Villa supporter. Is he? Yeah. Wow. What a world. Who, Who knew? knew? <laughs> well, exactly. now I do. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to wrap things up, I want to ask you this. As far I'm, as... I'm not a rapper. I can't rap. Come on. Give me some bars. I can't. I do you sing nothing. at all? You, you delve in the, the vocal department in any... No, I'm forced. No. I'm forced to in punk rock karaoke sometimes to keep people on track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. To save the day, to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Sometimes. Yeah. When is this going to air? By the way, this one. Yeah. Maybe January. Okay. Why? Why? What do you want to say? You got a big announcement. Oh yeah, the, there might be a reunion of a band I used to be in for yeah. next year. Ah uh, well, it'll be this year when yeah, it goes out. It'll be this year. Oh yeah, it says. Yeah, we'll be seeing you soon, hopefully. Well, let's talk about it. It will yeah. air in January, and I uh, promise I won't say anything okay. before. We just don't have anything confirmed. The Circle Jerks will be back together in yeah. the UK or just US for now. There'll be some UK get dates, I'm sure. Yeah. Fuck yes. So you and Keith are still tight. You're yeah. Still good. Well, we weren't for a while, and everything's cool now. How do you resolve that relationship? Sit down, just talk I it out. I guess the statute of limitation on people's resentments runs out. I don't know. You know. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like as you get older that the idea of having a grudge is kind of trivial and a waste of energy? Yeah, pretty much. So you yeah. sit down. Yeah. Talk it out. You talk it out. You hug it out, and then everything's cool. So that's that's cool. I'm sorry if I've been disrespectful in any of my lines of conversation. Not at all. I would have like said, "Shut be... the fuck up, bitch." Right? Are we cool? <laughs> you happy? You enjoy it? Was it worth doing? And you can answer honestly. Yeah, it was worth doing because now I'm going to get a great nap in before I got to play. Because <laughs> you're exhausted. You're like, this guy's yeah, never going to shut up. I locked a lot, lot, lot today. It wasn't too hot, luckily. Not too humid. And that's just the conversation. Mm -hmm. What about the weather? The weather's been good today. <laughs> Greg, thank you, dude. I appreciate your thank time. Thank you. And I'll tell you what, I fucking appreciate your music. I don't give you a gotta, shit what the bad religion guys. You got to tell me where I can listen to this iTunes, Spotify. Okay. What's, a, what's the name of the show? Life in the Stocks, dude. Life iTunes Chart Topper, number All right. one. All right, with a bullet. With a bullet, straight to the heart. All John right. Lydon's been on there. Perry Farrell. That's what Some Mo told dudes. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Mo Monique, Monique Powell from Save Ferris. That's name drop. Well, so Mo, <laughs> me and Mo <laughs> yeah, did a this. chat at Sandunk, and we sat in the uh, the van that they were touring and just crying. Yeah. I, br I broke my spine, she broke her neck. So we bonded uh, over that. Oh, cool. Like near death chapter two style thing mm -hmm. and um i really love that woman i love that the scene that she's in not so much her friends but more like that genre pocket right and i'm sure she won't mind me saying this has kind of been a bit disrespectful and you know kind of just cut her out and she's just like you know what fuck all you i'm gonna keep doing it and exactly she's an inspiration to me for sure and she's a good one i want to be surrounded with people like that that yeah 
you know that's something that, that you learn that I learned with the sobriety you don't you can choose who to surround yourself around with or if you have to be involved with people that bring chaos you you can set boundaries I knew nothing about it I couldn't set boundaries and I didn't know boundaries well and also even if you want chaos embrace it but never right. like play the victim card like it's only oh, I was you good at to that. better yourself right I was a victim yeah but now you're no, not no right because you can't no. live that way forever you gotta no. fucking it, it's not I'm fun to it's not responsibility it's fucking accountability, accountability. that's the fucking right. word dude right that's very it. good accept what you've done acknowledge it yeah change it move on exactly Greg Hudson you're a badass Cheers, thank bro. you fist pump you can't see this on radio we just fist bumped and again thank Woo. you dude I really enjoyed that good times thanks Go! It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 